0: Guys, it's Wednesday night, and you know what that means on the Sports Objective Podcasting Network. It's time for just another sports podcast with me, Kyle Barber, and my co-host from Lasker, North Carolina, the head coach of Northeast Academy, Mr. Stevie Fly. Stevie, how you doing?
1: Doing good, bud. How about you?
0: Couldn't be better, man. Uh, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll get into that in a minute, but I first want to welcome in our guest, the the legendary <coughs> defensive coordinator from East Carolina University, amongst other places like Kentucky and Cincinnati, et cetera, et cetera uh mr rick smith coach how you doing
2: i'm doing good and legendary means i'm old
0: (laughs) (laughs) no there's a lot of old people that aren't legendary they're just old
1: exactly exactly
0: (laughs) they're just old you you uh you on the other hand uh have done some things that people remember
2: yeah well i I, i've enjoyed my nine years coaching here uh well I enjoyed eight years coaching. <laughs> Last year was tough.
0: Yeah. yeah, we'll get into that. I uh, I know uh, I know I know which year you're talking about. But uh, I want before we uh, before we get into that, uh, I you know, as I'm transparent, I always here on the show about my health. Uh, everybody that listens to any of our content knows that um, I had my six month CT scan uh, to make sure I was still cancer free. Uh, yesterday and uh, got good results on that and my uh signatera dna cancer screaming no 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 circulating uh cancer in my dna so from between that and the ct scan that's great news and uh so i, I appreciate everybody's thoughts and prayers because uh, yeah. i know everybody all the listeners out there were you know praying for me so i wanted to say i appreciate that now we'll, we'll quit talking about me and uh we're gonna <laughs> talk some pirate football with coach smith um coach so we will start at the well not at the beginning of your career because um we'd have to go back a ways ah.
2: but, uh, <coughs> we go, yeah, back we'll, before they had gasoline cars <laughs> <laughs> we go
0: we' will start and, um so you got hired by skip uh, was, was it january of five december oh four exactly do you remember exactly when you got hired by skip
2: yeah uh He, uh, I'd worked at Cincinnati. I was the defensive coordinator at Cincinnati, and Greg Hudson was a running back coach at Cincinnati. And uh, when I went up for the interview at Cincinnati, Greg and I were sitting around the bar that night after the interview, and he says, you know, I was linebacker at Notre Dame. I'd love to be on defense. And I said, well, if I can get you on defense, I'll get you on defense. And so Greg had been. Greg was the uh, running back coach at Cincinnati when they hired me as the defensive coordinator. And I talked coach into moving him over to defense. And, of course, we just really hit it off well. And Greg and I uh, were there two years.
0: Was that under Rick Mentor?
2: Yes, under Coach Mentor, And (laughs) I can tell you some great stories about that two years.
0: What years were they?
2: Uh, I think it was ninety. Eight ninety nine. Gino Was
0: was you Gino was quarter with no. Was Gino quarterback yet? Uh he was
2: there, but he wasn't starting.
0: Okay. Okay. So that was that was kind of right before Rick kind of got things rolling a little bit there.
2: Yeah. We were we went to a bowl game. Uh I think we went to bowls both years. I know we played uh
0: City
3: Ball.
2: went to the Motor City Bowl okay you
0: played Marshall in the Motor City Bowl if I remember right
2: yeah. yes that's correct
0: yeah it was, it was 2000 I believe
2: <laughs> yeah we, we went there yeah. at 99
0: yeah. okay and so uh so, so you that's how you met HUD and, so I uh, met
2: HUD and the, how I got here <laughs> it's a good story uh Greg, you know, coach, uh, called Greg Hudson about hiring, you know, cause, cause, Greg and coach Holtz played together at Notre Dame. They were very good friends. And, uh, so coach called Greg and asked him if he would, you know, come to Cincinnati. And he said, uh, I'll come if you hire Rick Smith. And of course, Skip said, who in the hell is Rick Smith? <laughs> 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 and, uh, so anyway, Skip said he would, and Skip called me, and I came up for the interview, and of course, you know, he hired me, and it was a great five years with Skip. Uh, <clears throat> you know, he was uh, good to work for, really was.
0: So you got here enough. We'll talk about – I do want to talk about briefly, you coaching in Europe with Steve Logan. Yeah. Uh, so what was that like? In, in how? Will, I mean, obviously, you've been around college football for years. You were aware of East Carolina, but – did, did Coach Logan talk about ECU much when he was in Europe? And, and what, was, what was it like working with Coach Logan before he died back into Skip?
2: It was great. <laughs> I didn't know Steve uh, very well. You know, he knew who I was, and I knew who he was. And uh, we were in Orlando for <clears throat> seven days when we did the, the draft, just like the NFL does. You know, the teams were in different towns, and we had the draft. And then we were in Tampa or five weeks and practiced there, uh, with the team. And we would scrimmage every Wednesday in the Tampa stadium. And we scrimmaged every Saturday, a different team. Then we went to Europe and, uh, gosh, we'd been at, we'd been in Europe, I guess it was the first week. <clears throat> we were there two weeks before the first game and we practiced, you know, and we had a big scrimmage on, uh, Saturday, and, uh, that Sunday night I'm in my room and I hear this, some guy walking down the halls playing a guitar and singing. <laughs> <clears throat> and he, he knocks on my door and I opened the door and it was coach Logan, Steve. <clears throat> and Steve said, boy, it's about time we got to know each other. <laughs> so we became best of friends. And of course we were in the press box together, you know, cause he wasn't the, neither one of us were coordinators. Uh, we were just, you know, on the staff, but but the truth be known, I was the D coordinator and he was the offensive coordinator. Uh, but we had a great time. It was fun. We we jogged together, uh, had a few beers together. Uh, he was just he was one of a kind. One of a kind.
0: No Coach C- Coach Lux was uh, known known for like to play a little blues guitar. Uh, Do did did you play instrument at all, Coach?
2: Me? No, sir. I don't. No. <clears throat>
0: <laughs> so, you just, had to, you just had to listen to Coach Logan play his guitar.
2: Yes. Um, okay. So I, did, you said, I did win the course award uh, when I was in the ninth grade. Did you really? Yeah, I was in the course with about 100 people. I won the course award.
0: Oh, as a, as a group award?
2: No, I won it by myself. I was the best guy in the course.
0: Really? Yeah. yeah. Coach Smith's got a singing voice. Okay.
2: Yeah. And All my, well, my, at the end course. of
0: the show, if everybody sticks around, we're going to get Coach Smith to sing us a song.
2: Making well, sure. my course, my course teacher didn't particularly like me getting it. Cause she made the comment that I would like for next year, whoever gets the course award to be the best singer, not the best
1: athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying this is a popularity vote?
2: Yeah, that's what it became. And I, and they, I found out years later, I found out and I guess it was my 10 or 20 year reunion. I asked some of the girls that were in the course cause they came up to me and said, uh, like, I said, well, what the heck went on when I got that course award? She said, well, we all planned it as a, as a joke on Miss Bradford. I oh. said, well, she didn't think it was very funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Coach, I thought you were about to tell me how the girls voted <clears throat> for you could have liked you.
2: Nah, that wasn't it.
0: That wasn't it? Okay. Well, your wife's there, ain't she? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I can't talk about that. <laughs> okay. Um,
0: so, we 05, you come here with, with Skip and with Coach Hudson. Um, the, you know, you, you get here and John Thompson was here. What was your first assessment of, of East Carolina when you got here as a university, as a football program, and the talent you had to work with when you first got here? I know you guys built that talent up in a hurry, but when you first got here,
2: what,
0: what did you think of what you had to work with?
2: Well, it's like anywhere you – you know, any program, in order to win, the number one thing you got to have is linemen on both sides of the ball. And they're the hardest thing to find. There's just not enough big offensive linemen to go around, and there's not enough fast, big defensive linemen to go around on defense, and that was where the program was really liking was was you know what's up front's what matters, and that's where we were <clears throat> were pretty pretty thin, but you know all of us being in coaching, and a lot of us were in some programs that you know where you had to build them. And what we started doing was we went out and signed tall kids that could run that we felt like that we could put weight on, you know, and that's kind of how we built it. And Skip was just uh, really involved with the offense. Uh, Didn't bother us much on defense. Uh, Of course, he and Greg Hudson, you know, were very, very close. They played together at Notre Dame, and he pretty much left us alone. Uh, And... And uh, I got real close to Greg, and and,
3: there
2: and it was a great four years with Skip. Well, that was even the one that, even the year, the first year we didn't have a winning season, but the kids really bought in, and it really busted their rear. And I think we won four or five that year, and then we the next four years we we had winning season. I think we you, went to four bowl games with Skip.
0: That's right, and you you won five the first year, and it felt like a winning season because we had been so bad under Coach John John Thompson. When you guys came in, you know, I remember the first game against Duke, you know, and and Duke, you know, was horrible at that time, but they were still in ACC school. And Mm -hmm. I remember coming into Greenville, they were seven-point favorites. And, uh, you know, just just you guys beating Duke. You had a great defensive performance in that game. Um, Beating Duke to start it. It really got things off on the right track? Because you know now, I mean, you probably didn't know then, but you know now what it means to East Carolina fans to be the ACC school.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I can remember just like it was yesterday because <clears throat> I always go out and walk the field, you know, an hour, hour and a half before the game, and I sit on the bench and just kind of, you know, spend some time out there out out of the locker room. And I can remember going out, and I'm out there about an hour before the kickoff. And it was just a beautiful day. And the east side, east side of the stadium was half full. I and then I can remember at halftime walking in and saying, these people are louder here than they were at Alabama. <laughs> uh, and I thought, I just thought that the fans at East Carolina was good as anywhere, you know, I'd coached and that includes Alabama. They're just great. Uh, you know, and then we started winning and filled it up. And it was a great – that was oh, – all those years were probably as <clears throat> much fun as I had coaching it was those those four years with Skip. And, of course, now I loved Ruff the yeah. with McNeil. <clears throat> I thought he got screwed at the end.
0: Oh, he did, and we'll get to that. And <laughs> uh, I'm glad you said that because, uh, boy, we're still trying to recover from that. But – you, you, you talk about your relationship with Coach Hudson and, um, you know, you guys becoming friends in Cincinnati when you guys were on the staff together. Um, and, and I guess you were more of a mentor to him at that time, him, him being quite a bit younger than you. So how was the transition where you were technically – he was your – you know, he was, Skip was the boss, but he was the defensive coordinator and you were secondary coach. Did, how, was there a transition with you having to, quote, unquote, take orders from Coach Hudson or was it never like
2: that? It was never like that. It was it was always a mutual uh what do you think? And it wasn't just I mean it, the whole staff. I mean, we all got along and uh Greg gave everybody input and I mean Greg was funny. I mean he he said he said, Rick, I don't know nothing about secondary and I tell him, Greg, I don't know anything about linebackers, so let's just get together. But uh <clears throat> he let me uh I called all the coverages, you know, which would fit the fronts that he called. And, uh, you know, it was a great – it was a great uh, five years with him. Yeah, no
0: doubt. And you had a lot of great players come through there and a lot of other great coaches. Talk about um, somebody we lost. Talk about uh, about your
2: relationship with uh, Coach Rock Roggeman. Golly, Rock was just a great guy. Uh, We got to be really close because we were both – You know, we were just assistants. We weren't head coaches or coordinators. We were just two assistants. And uh, the first, you know, that first four months we were here, we all lived down at uh, that motel across from, I can't remember where it was, but, yeah, the city hotel is what it was called back then, I guess. But we all stayed there, and Rock Rock and I stayed there a month after everybody else's family got here. Uh, I didn't move my family till my kids got out of school. But Rock and I got – well, we ate breakfast together every day, and uh, we lifted weights together. He wasn't much of a jogger. <clears throat> I jogged, but uh, and then we, we ate the evening meal together. And we just got to be really close. And I guess the one of the saddest days was when we all flew up for his funeral. You know, Skip and Greg and I and all the coaches flew up for his funeral. Yeah,
0: I, how is that, losing somebody? I mean, I, I, I'm trying to word this right. Losing somebody that's part of your staff like that, but it's also family, and, and the players have to deal with it. You know, knowing he's sick, <clears throat> how, how difficult is that?
2: Well, he's probably the toughest human being I've ever known. I mean, uh, you know, he coached that year sick, yeah. and he really never showed it. I mean, he was just that, just that tough of a human being, Uh, and uh, he was, he was really tough. He was religious. He was a man of God, and uh, his players loved him, and they played their rear ends off for him. And he and he and Greg Hudson were just as close as you know two people could be. I mean, they were close. Of course, you know they were close to Skip because all of them were at Notre Dame together. Right. Yeah. Tough loss,
0: and everybody in I hope everybody in Pirate Nation remembers Rock. I know I do, and I think most fans do. Um, he was had a, if you ever met him, he, he was, uh, he had a very, he, you couldn't forget him. He was very, uh, very boisterous, very outgoing, and, uh, you know, great guy. Amen. Um, so we, 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 we we'll fast forward a little bit to the, uh, back to back conference championship seasons, 08 and 09. Um, you know, you, you know, the, the D-line was loaded, the linebacker was loaded, and the secondary was loaded. You know, yeah. you, had guys, you had guys like Van Eskridge. Um, you know, one guy, and, w- w- you know, we'll, we'll talk about the season, but I, I do want to talk about this guy. Um, Emmanuel Davis. Yeah. I remember him playing for you, and I remember thinking this kid – and he ended up having a nice career in the CFL. But I remember thinking this kid was going to be one of the all-time greats in East Carolina to ever play the position. And – when, when when the transition happened and um and and Ruff's first defense coordinator came in and we did a lot did a lot of man coverage. He seemed to just not excel in man coverage the way he did in your zone coverages.
2: He did not have great speed. You know, just flat out speed. He had great right. quickness and he was a you know, a really good football player. He had to grow up a lot. He had, he came in here and thought he was all world and was spoiled rotten, didn't want to work hard. <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember in the on the practice field toward the, the I guess it's the east end zone. I grabbed him by the shoulder pads and started shaking him, and told him I said, "If you, you know if you're not going to stick your head in there and bow your neck." And tackle like the hell I'm trying to teach you, then you can just go home. <laughs> so he he took his helmet off, threw it on the ground, started walking to the locker room. Took his jersey off, threw it on the ground, shoulder pads. And uh, about that time, Greg Hudson ran over, there, and Greg's picking it up, walking behind him, picking it up, <laughs> and sitting. and told him, "said You ain't quitting, boy." <laughs> good, good, good cop, bad cop. He said, turn your rear end around and get back over there and do what Coach Smith says. And after that, never had another problem with him. And, you know, we sat down after practice and talked. And, you know, I apologized to him if I'd been too rough on him. And uh, he said, no, nah, Coach, you know, I needed it. And I'm, I just got to grow up. And that's kind, of, that kind of his attitude was he, he kind of blamed himself. And, uh, after that, never had another problem with him. He Busted his rear end and became one heck of a good football player. Yeah, and yeah, had a great
0: had a great career. Is he still playing in the CFL? I don't. I don't even know. I know for a while.
3: No,
2: one
0: one time he was one of the top uh, uh, secondary players in the in the Canadian Football League. Well,
2: he was just a very smart football player, you know. now he he didn't play defense in high school. He was quarterback. He played from. Is it was he from Manion? Yeah. He was, he was starting quarterback at Manteo. Uh You know, and they'd play him on defense a little bit. But uh, that's kind of what I, I would do. Uh, you know, I was a high school coach for 10 years before I became a college coach, and I always, always put my best athlete at quarterback. And when I was recruiting, all the years I coached in college, I always uh, – almost all the players that I – signed out of the state of Florida were high school quarterbacks and high school wide receivers because most high school coaches put their best players on offense. And it's good because, you know, they never played much defense, so you didn't have to, you know, correct a lot of stuff that they'd been taught wrong.
0: That's an interesting, aspect. That's really interesting way to look at it. You know they're good athletes. You know they can play ball, and then you can teach them to play the way you want them to play. That's a, that's, that's, that's a good approach. I like that.
2: You know, I meant Where, as a high school coach, which I was for 10 years, I put my best athletes. Yeah. My best athlete was a quarterback because I was an option uh, uh, head coach. And my other best player was a tailback. I mean, that's, and that's the kids I recruited to play in the secondary. When I would recruit the Panhandle of Florida, that's the first thing I would watch was the quarterbacks. Especially back in the, you know, when everybody's running the option. You know, your best athlete's a quarterback because he's either going to pitch it or keep it. And most all great defensive backs that go to the NFL in high school, they were either quarterbacks in the option days or they were tailbacks. (laughs) So we looking at that 08 season,
0: as you went into it, Did you know that we could be good? I mean, you you look at the injuries on that football team. Yeah, we could have been even better than we were. But did you know you had a defense good enough to win a conference championship
2: going into the 08 season? We felt like we did. We were a little bit, as always, we were worried about the defensive line, uh, you know, depth wise. Right. Uh, And, you know, the two things, the two hardest things to recruit on defense is D linemen. And corners, you know, cornerbacks, right? You know, especially if you want to be able to play man to man. And and we were not where we wanted to be at at the time at at one of the corner positions, and we weren't really where we wanted to be depth wise on the defensive line. We had two or three kids that we felt like were really good, but if those kids went down, we were hurting. So you we,
1: hey, we Kyle Emmanuel Davis, he retired in two thousand eighteen. His last year they won the great <coughs> with the uh, Cavalry Stan All
0: right, we don't out a great cup champion. All right. <laughs> All
1: right so, let's go back a little bit. I'm sorry, Kyle. Let's go, go ahead, back
0: Stevie.
1: go back a little bit. Talk about as a defensive coach, how it was trying to handle Dwayne Harris and Chris Johnson in practice. <laughs>
2: It was tough, especially in the spring uh <clears throat> you know during the season we didn't uh we didn't hit them very much right if we did, we'd have got fired <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest with you, if any of our kids had hit any one of those guys, I would have fired them yeah you know, that was you know we we would tackle with skip <clears throat> we would uh Monday might be, you know, one series live, offense and one series live. Like the one defense would go against the two offense, you know, maybe six plays live. Then we'd switch it, and the second team defense would go against that first offense for six or seven plays. And then we would do it, we would do that again on Wednesday. And on Wednesday, he would put the ball on the four-yard line and give the offense three downs to score. If they scored, the defense had to run sprints. And if the defense held them, then the offense had to run. And out of the 12 weeks we did it, the defense had to run one time.
3: All right.
0: <laughs> there you go. You handled uh, Chris Johnson and Dwayne Harris and and, and, uh, and all the other playmakers. Um, I'm sorry. I'm getting distracted here. People are sending me text messages. I you doing this from a computer, not a phone. Um. So, back in the OA season, um, I wanted to touch on that some more. Early in the year, the Pirates obviously beat Virginia Tech in Charlotte. And then the following week, West Virginia comes to Greenville, ranking in the top ten. And uh, you guys just smothered them on defense. What do you remember about that game, uh, besides the obvious aftermath with the fans on the field and the offense? occasion with the cops, which <laughs> thankfully didn't involve the coaches and the players. But uh, what do you remember about that game upset in West Virginia, ranked in the top ten?
2: Well, it's been a few years ago. I, I remember, you know, how excited we were after the game was over. And usually when the game's over, I'm just glad it's over, you know, because there's just so much preparation as a coach you put in and you're so tired. And a lot of times when the kids would rush the field and the fans would come out, you know, I would just take a knee somewhere and get out of the way and watch because I was just glad that it was over. But it was a great win, <clears throat> and I was happier for the players, you know, than I was for myself or any of the fans because, you know, they're the ones that do all the work, and, you know, they're the ones that catch all the crap when we don't play well. But, right, but absolutely. That was that – was, uh, I guess if I had to, to list – You know, five of the greatest wins in my career, that would definitely be probably in the top three. Do you know the
0: other ones off the top of your head?
2: Uh, When I was at Georgia Tech, we beat Auburn at Auburn. That was a great win. When I was at Georgia Tech, we beat Georgia at Georgia. And it was the first time that Georgia Tech had beat Georgia in, like, 20-something years at their place. Wow. <clears throat> well, that's, uh,
0: that, that West Virginia games in good company then. <laughs> you know, beating Georgia at their place, that's a pretty big deal then. Yeah, it'd, it'd be even bigger deal now.
2: Yeah. Ben <laughs> so, Dooley was the head coach then, Coach Dooley At Georgia Tech. Ben Dooley was at Georgia. At uh, Georgia, okay. Bill Curry was the head coach at, uh.
0: At Georgia Tech, that's right. Could you coach with Bill Curry at Georgia Tech? Out, you coach with him at, at Georgia Tech and Kentucky. You didn't coach with him at Alabama, did you?
2: No, I was at Alabama uh, with Ray Perkins. Okay. And when Ray Perkins left and went to the NFL, Coach Curry, I talked to Coach Curry about helping me get a job because he didn't know he was going to be the Alabama head coach. Well, Coach called Baylor, Coach Grant Taft, for me and grant taff hired me at baylor because of coach curry and i'm there about a week or two over recruiting in in uh, waco and coach curry calls me and says i just got the alabama job would you come back to alabama and i said coach i would love to come back to alabama but i just can't do coach uh, Taft that way and he said well I knew you wouldn't come but I knew you'd be mad at me if I didn't ask <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I stayed at uh, Baylor with Coach Taft for three years and Coach Curry got the job at Kentucky and he hired me at Kentucky
0: I would imagine that probably made a bigger impression on him in a positive way the fact that you turned him down and stayed at Baylor
2: well you know I wanted really bad to go back. My wife hadn't even moved yet, and my three kids in school—you know—they had—they were all still in uh, Tuscaloosa, and I'm in a motel room on the third floor in Waco by myself. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> you know, you just can't. Coach Absolutely. Taff hired me. Coach Taff hired me when I didn't have a job, and you know, I, I could go in and just tell him, "Hey, man, I'm going back to Alabama."
0: No, it speaks to your integrity. And like I said, yeah. I'm, if I was Bill Curry, that would, you know, and, and it did stick with him when he got the job at Kentucky, you know, a few years later and you needed the job, he hired you. Um, yeah, I
2: told him when he called me, I said, well, Coach, from what I can tell, Kentucky's only 600 miles from Tallahassee, Florida, where I'm from, and I'm <laughs> 1,200 miles now.
0: <laughs> a little bit closer to home. We uh, moved back uh, to ECU a little bit. The 09 season, back-to-back conference championships. You know, you had guys like Van Eskridge, et cetera, uh, on that football team. Talk about Van Eskridge, uh, great safety. Um, you know, I remember he, he he got the pick. Everybody remembers him getting the pick in the Houston game to fill yeah. the conference championship. But people forget he did the same thing the year before in the Tulsa game to fill yeah. the conference championship.
2: Well, Van was a uh, – he was actually a – when we signed him, he was a safety. Yep. And not many people were recruiting him. And <clears throat> he was just so aggressive. So we actually moved him down closer to the line of scrimmage like a rover. Yep. And he was actually more like a down safety outside linebacker than he was, you know, a secondary player. But I was coach – he was like the nickelback. You know, right. he, he would line up <clears> – <throat> Like we were four three defense, and like we had, you know, we had the four down linemen and the two true linebackers and five DBs, and he was, he was what I called a tweener. He was kind of between a safety and a linebacker. Right. Uh, he was good enough athlete to be a safety, but he was tough enough and mean enough and physical enough to be an outside linebacker. And uh, of course, you know, he's a high school coach now.
0: Yeah, I, I did not know that. We're the coach? Yeah.
2: He's coaching somewhere, uh, west of here, uh, kind of down above Charlotte.
0: Okay. So kind of, kind of in our, in our, uh, talk to him earlier, Bubba Rosenbaum, who does a lot of work on the, on the podcast. He's in that area. So, uh, we yeah, have Van Van, uh, everybody will remember Van Eskridge for, uh, the interception against Houston to seal the conference championship and, uh, you know, two straight for you guys. Um. So, you, you, you go with Skip to South Florida. Things don't work out down there. Um, Coach Coach Ruffin McNeil, you know, gets the job here. Um, in 2012, we win eight games, but the defense is struggling so He decides to make a change. You know, there's a lot of conversations with Coach Hudson. We're going to bring back Coach Hudson and Coach Smith. I think Coach H- I think maybe HUD decided to go to Purdue. I can't remember exactly what happened with that. But it, it, you end up getting the job. I remember hearing that you – Interview or when I interviewed you before, Professor O'Cools, I remember you talking about you. Uh, you interviewing with Ruffin and didn't think you got the job.
2: Well, I was actually uh, when we all, when the whole staff got fired at South Florida, Barbara and my 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 wife and I were driving back. We we didn't sell our house here in Greenville. Uh, my daughter and son moved into the house, and Billy, my son, finished school here at. Uh, ECU and I, I, I said, Barbara, are we going to retire in Greenville or are we going to return, retire in Tallahassee where we're from? And she said, we're going to retire where the kids are. <laughs> and I said, nobody's going to hire a 69 year old secondary coach. <laughs> and, well, uh, cause I was 69 that year and <clears throat> hung the phone up. Uh, the phone rang and it was, uh, terry holland and this was the 26th of december day after christmas and we're driving back from from uh tampa and uh the phone rang and it was it was terry and he said uh, coach smith i said yeah he said this is terry holland i said coach holland how are you doing he said i'm doing good he said would you be interested in coming back to east carolina i said yes sir i'd be real glad to come back <laughs> I said, not many people going to hire a 69-year-old secondary coach. And uh, so <clears throat> that's how I got hired back here with uh, Ruff. I didn't even – Coach McNeil thought that Terry told me I had the job. And I thought I was. as soon as I got back here, like the, I got back here that night on the 26th, I thought I would hear something on the 27th. I didn't hear anything from Ruffin or Terry Holland for a week. I was on pins and needles. And I said, well, I told Barbara, I said, well, they didn't hire me. I guess, you know, we'll be, you know, I'll be retired at 69. And uh, about that time the phone rang and it was rough. And uh, he said, where are you at? I said, I'm here in Greenville at my house. (coughs) He said, how long would it take you to get to the office? I said, how long? Before you want me to be there, he said, "Get there as soon as you can." So I jumped in the car and got there, and uh, we hit it off. And he hired me, and uh, he was great to work for.
0: Yeah, you come in at thirteen. Um, what What are your impressions of Lincoln Riley? I mean, you you meet you know you, you're coaching against that Lincoln Riley offense. Um, Lincoln's done pretty well for himself. I think he can buy himself a cheeseburger when he needs to.
3: So
2: yeah. what, what
0: was your first impression of a young of a young Lincoln Riley?
2: I thought Lincoln, uh, and I think the people that don't know Lincoln, Lincoln is a very down-to-earth, just a good human being. Uh, He's not stuck up. He doesn't think he's, you know, I mean, he's just a good dude. When he went to Oklahoma, I guess it was maybe a month or two after he got to Oklahoma, uh, he called me. And I'm not bragging or anything. I'm... I'm telling this little story so everybody know what kind of person Lincoln Riley is. But Lincoln called me and he said, I just want to thank you for helping me get to Oklahoma. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we played great defense and that really helped the offense. He said, I just want to thank you for, you know, for what you did, you know, on the staff. And, you know, you we got along great. And, You and Ruff got along great. I mean, it was just – it was a great staff.
0: Yeah, I don't know if people realize um, how bad the defense was in 2012, you know, because we won eight games. And I I don't think people realize the turnaround you guys had on defense in 2013 because the offense was (coughs) so high-powered. Yeah. But there was times in 2013 where you guys absolutely shut people down.
2: A lot of people didn't even know it because they don't care about defense. We only gave up 17 points a game that year. Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, it, it, you guys, we were a fantastic football team, 10-win season. You know, I think the one disappointment would have been the Marshall game, but that was a nightmare. You, you played NC State on Saturday. You beat NC State in Raleigh. Then you got to turn around and be emotionally up to play on a short week, Thanksgiving week, noon on Black Friday, in Huntington, West Virginia to try to win the East Division of Conference USA. That game was just set up for failure. But thankfully, you guys bounced back, win the bowl game, get a 10-win season. And people, another thing, Ruffin and this staff, you included, do not get enough credit. Look, there's been exactly two teams that have won 10 games in East Carolina. Mm-hmm. One was the Peach Bowl team everybody talks about. The other was the 2013 team.
2: Yeah.
0: And that, was it, a, that was a fun year. Yeah, I beat UNC and NC State the same year. Never been done before in Greenville. Um, 2014 first year in the American, you guys finished, uh, eight and five after the bowl game. Um, at one point, it like that year we may make the BCS or I don't, you know, I don't even remember what it was called at that point, but you know, the tough performance at temple, but, and, and then we'll, and, and then we'll look at the 2015 season where I really think, you know, before the season we had Ben Kirk, and, you know, he gets hurt, and we're kind of, you know, we we have what we have a quarterback, and you know that that offense, you know, first year without Lincoln Riley, Dave Nichol was a good coach. He had a good staff. He had a great offensive staff. Had a great, good defensive staff, and you know the quarterback situation. We the Pirates finished one game short of making a bowl game. Lose to Cincinnati on a field goal. There was a lot of games that year where the defense really carried things, yeah. and. Uh, you know, then Jeff Confer makes the decision, while you guys are out recruiting on the road to fire Ruffin and McNeil, and uh, which of course meant that well, no, it didn't mean that you were out of a job. You, you still had a job. We'll talk about that in a minute. But just talk about talk about your reaction when you heard uh, that Confer had fired Ruff And did, it, did, were, did were you guys suspecting that at all, or no. did you completely
2: blindsided? You? you know where Ruff was at when you got the call. I know he's recruiting, but I don't know where. He was with me sitting in my car outside of uh, one of the best schools in Greensboro, North Carolina, Dudley High School. Uh, we had just got through visiting with the kid at Dudley, Dudley High School, and uh, he got the call. And I drove him from Greensboro back to Charlotte because we'd been in Charlotte the day before. Recruiting, I drove him back to his car, you know, there in Charlotte. And he had to drive from Charlotte back to Green, Greenville. And I remember when he got in his car, he hugged my neck and said that, "Uh, I think I'm going back to be fired. Hmm. You know, so he kind of knew it. Ridiculous. Well, one of the most ridiculous
0: <laughs> decisions, I, I think, you know, a lot of people will discuss, you know, what was the worst decision firing him or Logan. Um you know, I, I think I think it was firing Ruffin. Uh Ruffin had done nothing but win. And that that season, you know, we were one game below five hundred. And what's amazing to me, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, I know the staff off the top of my head, if you look at where everybody, you know, Donnie Kirkpatrick's office coordinator here now, has been for a few years. He was on that staff. Garrett Riley was receiver's coach, he's the O C at Clemson now. Uh the O line coach, whose name escapes me. I believe he's the O-line coach at Arkansas now. Um, you know, it, it, it's amazing to me that Ruffin got fired. So how – so when you made the decision to stay um, after Ruffin got fired, how hard of a decision was that for you? I mean, I know you wanted to stay in Grateful, so that, that part made it a little easier. But what was your first interaction with Scotty Montgomery like?
2: It was great. Uh you know, Scotty called me and uh asked me to come down and meet him. Uh I went down to the office and we visited. Uh the next day, uh I drove him I drove him to uh I can't remember, I drove him two or three high schools west of here, southwest of here off of uh Interstate ninety five you know, just visiting recruits. And, you know, we talked while we were going. We talked coming back and uh, got along great. I liked Scotty Montgomery as a person. Uh, I just thought that he was too young to be a head football coach, didn't have enough experience. Uh, After spring football practice, uh, I knew we were going to be in trouble. (laughs) Uh, I was always kind of old school when it came to, you know taking on blocks and tackling at practice, but during spring practice, we were getting after it pretty good. You know, my kids tackling, and uh, he came over there and he kind of did his finger at me come over here, i to talk to you. And he said, What are you doing? I said, What do you mean? What am I doing? He said, You're gonna kill him. I said, Coach, if I'm not wrong, you know, football is a contact sport, we're, we're tackling three yards apart. How in the hell am I going to hurt somebody tackling three yards apart? Well, you can't do that. I said, if I can't do that, we can't win. (laughs) So he came back over there about a week later. I was taking a – we were practicing stalk blocking, you know, full speed, again, about three yards apart. He said, I told you the other day you couldn't do that. I said, I've been coaching for 45 years, and I was too dang old to change. Uh, and so you can have my job. I resigned right there. And he he asked me to stay until the end of the season. So I stayed till the end of the season.
0: Now, what I want to know, you know, he, he coached at Duke under Coach Cutcliffe. And Coach Cut has been around a lot of winning football. There's no way Coach Cutcliffe ran practices that way.
2: No, I know Coach Cutcliffe. I remember when he was at Tennessee. I was at Georgia Tech.
0: So, and did he just learn that from his time in the NFL? Yes. Yeah. It's not going to work because those guys yeah. in the NFL already know how to do
2: it. You, you, in college, you're still developing talent. And I tell you, the other thing I thought, and again, don't get me wrong, Scotty Montgomery is as good a human being as there is, but he right. was he was too young to be a head coach didn't have the experience that he needed at the time and he didn't, I don't know if he was intimidated by somebody my age. Uh, You know, all I did was try to help, Uh, but I think he took it the wrong way. Maybe I handled it the wrong way. I was, Uh you know, I just told him, I said, this is, we're not at Alabama where maybe you don't have to tackle it. Practice. I said, but the kids we have, we have to do things live like a game uh to get these kids better i said we don't sign uh 350 pound offensive linemen we don't sign six foot six 220 pound linebackers we sign kids that are smaller uh, and we have to put weight on them we have to get them strong and uh, we have to do things at practice maybe you don't have to do it in alabama or tennessee you know that he didn't. He didn't understand that.
0: Yeah, it, it still boggles my mind because of him being at Duke. I would imagine they would have to do things similar at Duke they do here. So that yeah. really puzzling to me. I know his NFL background, and you know, I wanted Scotty to be successful. Everybody did because he was a, he was the head coach at East Carolina. You know, he, you know, all of us, well, not all of us, but the majority of the fans hated to see rough and go. But, you know, we gave Scotty a chance. And when it didn't work, boy, it went downhill fast. And I think Scotty also felt he fell victim to a lot of crossfire that was aimed at Jeff Comfort. And Scotty was kind of caught in the
2: middle. I agree. With, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. And again, you know, and I wish Scotty Montgomery all the luck in the world. And I regret some of the things that, uh,
3: if you're new here. You know the way I
2: handle things. You know uh, around him. I
3: literally well,
2: okay.
0: you know you, you you had been successful. You, it's hard to it's hard to tell somebody who's been doing something as long as you've been doing it you that you need to do it differently, and particularly when you know the way you're doing it is the right way.
2: Well, I tell you, you know, I wasn't the defensive coordinator either. Uh, True. He wanted me to be the defensive coordinator, but I was. I just kind of was. I was getting older. And I love coaching the secondary, and I just kind of wanted to coach my guys and let somebody else be the hero and make the right calls on Saturday. Uh, And, you know, the the young man that he made the coordinator, uh, Kenwick, did a good job, but he had never been a coordinator before, and I tried to help Kenwick. And he, he didn't really want my help, and he really didn't want anybody else's help, and he tried to do it all by himself. And, and that got him in trouble. And of course, now he's been very successful since he left here. And I think he, I think he learned a lot, uh, you know, while he was here. And you know, uh, I was just trying to help, but I, I didn't come across like I should've, you know, to help to help him.
1: Kyle, I want to go back a little bit with, with Coach Smith. Uh, talk a little bit about one of my favorite linebackers at ECU, uh, Zeke Bigger. Talk a little bit about Zeke, how he was.
2: He was a killer. He loved to play the game. Uh, uh, He could have played football 24 hours a day. I believe
1: that. I believe that.
2: And you can have the college education. (laughs) He didn't like going to class.
0: (laughs) He just wanted to play ball, and what a yep. great name, Zeke Bigger. I mean, Zeke he, Bigger.
2: I mean that, that
1: name sticks out. <clears throat> you,
2: you know, got, I mean, he, he was he worked really really hard on the field. He was great in the weight room. Uh, he was a leader in the weight room. Uh, he was uh, he was an encourager. You know, that type of leader, uh, led by example. But uh, wasn't much on class. But I guess after a few early morning five a.m.s, he figured he better go to
1: class <laughs> <laughs> we got a we got a question in here from a, a comment uh robert Diedrich want to know um when you get a chance can coach talk about his relationship with donnie kirkpatrick and maybe donnie's offensive philosophy
2: well i really like donnie kirkpatrick and i think donnie's a really really good football coach i hate all the criticism that he's getting right now uh <clears throat> i think they lost uh what did we we, we twenty four seventeen yeah we lost five or six kids on offense oh. okay we, oh yeah got, what do we got five returners on offense four we only got I uh, think we got four starters back on offense uh, and I think offense is harder to to teach than defense uh, I think Donnie's a, a I think Donnie's a damn good football coach I hate all the criticism that he's taking now but uh, I think there's enough blame to go around for everybody. Uh, I think the main problem is I know last year uh, I keep up with East Carolina and we have not recruited well at certain positions especially the offensive line. Uh, And I was really shocked last year. I don't think we signed but three offensive linemen. And I think the when your offense is not real good i think you need to look at the offensive line and yeah. i think when your defense is not real good you need to look at the defensive line and the corners uh, but <clears throat> i hate i think donny kirkpatrick's as good an offensive coach as i've ever worked with and i coached 50 years
0: yeah I, i'm with you on the offensive line i i from a from a talent standpoint, I think we we've, we've not done a great job there in recruiting, and also at receiver, we have some talent at receiver, but we do not have as much talent at receiver as we should, uh, considering the amount of good receivers that have came through East Carolina over the years. That's that is one position I've never seen us not have talent at. And the, well,
2: we we can run at wide receiver, we just can't catch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of important. Yeah, that might all be all. Them all. I'm, them guys need to be over there playing cornerback. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah, no. The, the guy that seems to have the best hands this year. Is so is so well. The kid that transferred here from Colorado, uh, he needs to get some size on him. He's got a good vertical that he can catch the ball. I think he's got a bright future, registered freshman. Um, but you know, from in your opinion, just you know, from from what you think, the system that we're running offensively. Um, do you think that's what Donnie would prefer to run, or do you think that's more what Mike Houston wants them to run?
2: Well, I haven't, you know, I haven't coached with Donnie in five years. Uh, I know Donnie's always wanted to try to establish the run first, and you know, pass off the run. Of course, you know, the game's changed. Everybody's in the one back stuff, and you know, slinging it every down and. But I think we've got pretty good receivers, but they don't catch the ball as well as as they used to. Uh, quarterback situation is I, – I sat here and watched games last year, and I said, we'd get a lead, and I said, why don't we play the young quarterbacks? Uh, and then we just – these quarterbacks we're playing with now, the only experience they have is this year. Yeah. I felt like, you know, I'm not, I guess I'm being critical, but just as a, you know, when you're a fan, you can be critical. And I'm no longer coaching. I'm a fan. Do do you have a relationship with Mike Houston? Don't know Coach Houston very well. Uh, Met him, met him uh, one of those
3: uh, meetings
2: they had when he first got here. Uh, He came up and I was doing the radio show at the time and I was, I was doing a pirate radio show. I did it, you know, those two years, last two years Montgomery was here. Yeah. And I was never critical of the coaching. All I did was give stats. So, you know, in order to win, you need to be able to rush for at least 100 yards a game, you know, average at least 2.9 yards per carry, you know, three, you know, that kind of stuff. And I said, well, we only rushed for 24 yards. So we've got our butt beat. Uh, and we gave up 469 yards rushing, so we got our butt beat. That was the kind of the way that I did the radio show. And then Coach Houston came up to me and said, uh, I hope you're not going to be real critical of me. I said, well, you don't need to be telling the quarterback club members that I'm a complete idiot like Scotty did. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, so, but no, I was always – you know, I did the Red Dead show, I think, a couple of years ago. Coach Houston was here. The first two years he was here, or the first year he was here, anyway. But I just try to give stats. I mean, you know, okay, the offense, like this last game, or so far the season, our offense is passing for 52%. We're okay. completing 52% of the passes for 170 yards. We're rushing for 3.9 yards per carry. 135 yards a game, 305 yards total. But we've thrown seven picks and we fumbled the ball. We've had eight turnovers in five ball games. But we don't. We're not getting. And we've only got nine turnovers. We should have 15 turnovers. So those are the kind of things I talk about.
0: <clears throat> yeah.
2: And how do you, you know, from
0: watching it this year, how would you evaluate the offensive line in terms of? Pro- progression from game one to, to game five—have ha- you seen much progress from the offensive line? And how long do you think it would take? You know, without knowing the personnel personally, for this line to gel. Well, if I'm if I remember
2: correctly, uh, they lost out of the five linemen, they lost three of them. Yeah. Well, had two coming back. Uh, By now, after spring practice and five games, you would think that they were gelling, you know, better than they are. Uh, Yeah, we're just not. Of course, I look at the stats, you know, I looked at the stats today. You know, the offense is averaging 3.9 yards per run, which is not terrible. I mean,
3: that's pretty
2: good, I think. I think they should be completing. The passes, are only completing 52% of the passes. Uh, and this day and time, if you're only throwing for 170 yards a game and rushing for 135 yards a game, which is 305 yards a game, that's just not enough offense.
3: And we've,
2: we've turned it over eight times on offense. I sometimes. Yeah, and if you look at the Rice game, what killed us
0: was red zone. We, we had played pretty well in the red zone in limited trips, and then at the Rice game, we had multiple trips in the Red Zone, had to settle for field goals, and one time had it, had it you know, first goal from the three, ended up coming away with no points. Yep.
2: And then the other thing that's killing us is the penalties. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that's 13, gotten a little 13, better the last two games. 13 penalties per game average. Mm-hmm. 76 yards worth of penalties. Yeah.
3: This
2: is right. Well, I'm going to get, get it. <clears throat> We need more turnovers too. We're 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 uh, we've only got nine turnovers on defense, and they should have they should have at least fifteen. So they're six short. And in my opinion, we're only scoring twenty-one points a game. We need to be scoring at least this day and time at least twenty-eight or thirty. I
1: don't like it. And so we got to to go.
2: Turned it over eight times, which that's yeah. not terrible, but it's where we turn it over.
1: At. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. It's just like, no key situations and games no you're exactly right so uh, you, you, you hope to, how much can you get done you, we, you got an off week here it's, it's a little bit shorter off week because we play SMU on a Thursday night but how you know how much can you get done during an off week how, you, It does it really make that much of a difference you know to have that extra practice time
2: well I think the way you handle the off week is very very important uh, personally our kids right now are They're weary and they're tired. I would would condition them, run them. I would probably give them, I would hope that they had Sunday. Well, Sunday, you know, should have been a light workout and a little bit of running. Maybe Monday, look at the film, but don't do anything. Tuesday, a little bit of running, but don't do anything. And then practice. I would practice Wednesday and Thursday, and I'd give them Friday and Saturday off. But, you know, if I was winning, I might do more but losing they probably need some time off uh and every head coach does it different and uh i respect coach houston i think he's done a i mean if you look at his record what where he's been he started the hard way you know he came up as a high school coach a small college coach and uh i hope that he makes it i hope he stays uh like you know, I hope they can get it turned around. And I looked at the schedule, and I honestly think that, you know, you're playing SMU at home. You're playing Charlotte at home. we are going to go to Texas and play San Antonio away. You got Tulsa at home. You got FAU away. FAU's one and three. Navy is one and three. Uh, and then you got Tulsa at home, and they're three and two. I mean, if we could get it together, hell, maybe we could win. That's how many games is that? Six, seven games? Hell, if we could win six of those games, or, or all of them. I mean, it'd be a great year to finish up that way. Uh, I would take
0: five of them with the one win we got, get to six and six, and yeah. be dancing the jig.
2: That'd be great. I yeah. mean, and you look at who we've played now. I mean, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you play Michigan at Michigan, that, that, that ain't you – know, that's tough. And then Marshall's always good. And you had to – you know, that one – I don't know. I wish we'd have won that one. Appy State's always good. And you had to go to Appy State. That's a tough place to play. Uh, and then, you know – I honestly think right now we should be at least you know at least three and two, but we're not. so yeah,
0: I, I agree with you at
2: very worst two and
0: three. We should have won that rise game. Let me ask you a quick question to we start to wrap this up. When we were in conference USA, um, you could take non-qualifiers. The American doesn't allow that. How, how often did we actually do that? Before we were in USA do we took kids that were considered quote-unquote non-qualifiers?
2: We never took over one or two a year.
0: Okay. So you don't think that has a big impact? Because I look at Marshall and App, and I look at those schools in the Sun Belt that, that are allowed to do that, and I kind of wonder if that's the difference.
2: I really don't think it is. Uh, but it only takes one great one to change the program. You know, right. a, great, a great tailback, a great linebacker. Uh, but no I don't I really don't think I think it's how you you know you you recruit kids that fit your program and to me the most important thing is just getting kids to love each other play hard togetherness to me Uh, I look at some of I was thinking about some of the things you know I've always told my kids you know yesterday's history tomorrow is a mystery Today is a gift from God. Make the best of it, you know, like today practice. And then the the three W's, you know, everybody wants to win. Love
3: each other so much. But the
2: point is, what are you willing to do? And that means work. So the three W's is you got to want to win, but what are you willing to do? Which comes down to work. And I still believe it's a simple game. They got 11 and you got 11. And it's either a run or a pass.
0: Yep. Absolutely steve you got anything else for coach
1: i think i got that's about it i mean thank you for coming on i appreciate it It was great talking to you
2: well i can't tell you how much i enjoyed it you know being an old retired guy and uh, (laughs) getting a chance to just talk about football has just been a lot of fun well
0: coach we enjoyed having you on and we'd love to have you on again and uh uh, anytime you're welcome on the sports objective your your insight is, is is fantastic and uh you know we uh we have some of your former players on from time to time so uh we maybe uh, we maybe we'll, maybe we'll uh, be fun to to get to get a uh, to get a former Rick Smith player and Rick Smith on together and uh
2: <laughs> that would be good
0: <laughs> that's that something we may definitely do
2: well i can't tell you how much i i really enjoyed it and uh you know really appreciate you you know asking me to do it and you remembered i'm still alive and uh <laughs>
0: Coach, you, Coach, uh, Coach, we, uh, we, we, yeah, uh, everybody, look, if, if, if people, if people in, in Greenville and the rest of the Pirate Nation have forgotten Rick Smith, they, 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 they might have some amnesia. <laughs>
2: well, thank you for that comment. Yeah, no doubt. Coach,
0: really, we appreciate, if we, you. If we you, appreciate anything, you. If you need
2: anything, if you need anything for me, just holler.
0: I right, we'll do it. Thank Coach. You, uh, thanks, thanks for coming on, and, uh, we'll catch you down the road.
2: I enjoyed it. Good luck to y'all. Okay, right, bye bye. Thanks, coach. Well, Stevie, we
0: uh we, we got an off week this week, so we, we got no pirate football to preview with uh with SMU. You um, did
1: Carolina. You schedule a bye week. You move up into top twenty five.
0: Well, you know I represent. <laughs> that's true. You remember? Uh, you remember when we were roughing, um Yeah, I don't remember what year it was. It was one of the good years because he was in a good mood. Right, and uh, he, uh, he, we had a we had a bye week coming up, and he said, uh, "We're off this week." I think we'll beat off.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, everybody in Pyranes, we're going to beat off this week. Oh, yeah. So um, now we open date. Uh, got a short week after the open date. I kind of like that a little bit. So you, 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 I'm sure, coach, I'm sure the coaches said it would like it to be a true off week with the following game being on Saturday. But in a way, you, you get an off week. You play on Thursday, then you get a little bit more time again before Sharp. You got to look at it
1: that way. So I mean, there,
0: there's some positives to it. It's all
1: working out to watch.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so, uh, you know, as we sit here and the Pirates don't have a game this week, you know, what are you going to do, Steve? You're going to watch other teams play football. In fact, there's some games on the night that I'm going to turn on as soon as we're done with this podcast. You got a couple of Conference USA games that are on right now Jacksonville State versus uh, Middle Tennessee. And, um, that's Rich Rodriguez in Jacksonville State in uh, Middle Tennessee. And then, um, oh hell, there's another one uh, New Mexico State and FIU. So uh, people want to wear those games are on right now. But the reason everybody tunes in each and every week, Stevie, it's not for our guests. It's no. not for us to talk pirate football. No, no. It is for our weekly top fives. And this week, it's always favorites. So it, this week is um, a little different. We did, with ECU being off, we ranked our top five favorite sports teams to watch. Besides East Carolina, these may be colleges. They may be pro teams. But these are our these, these are teams we enjoy watching. Besides East Carolina, because it's an off week, so I'll start it off. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna as Dave would say, I'm gonna pull Stevie. Uh, I have a tie for fifth place. <laughs>
3: um,
0: I um, Eastern Michigan. Yes, that's I'm being very serious. I love Chris Creighton. He's one of my favorite coaches. The, the you know, He's been struggling a little bit this year, but I always watch a lot of Eastern Michigan football. Also tied for fifth place, I have Louisiana Tech. I, I've always followed Louisiana Tech. I always enjoyed them following them even more when Skip was there. I still follow them now. And this year, this is a new one. Uh, this is my tie for fifth, and this is my first year following them, but I started watching them week zero. Uh, one of my favorite coaches, Rich Rodriguez, is the head coach of Jacksonville State, their first year at FBS. They're four and one. I need to check that score with Middle Tennessee, and uh, they're very well coached. So this year, I've been watching a lot of Jacksonville State, and that's primarily for Rich Rodriguez. So there you go. I started off number five. I got a three-way tie: Three Eastern, way, Michigan, forward. Louis- forward. Eastern Michigan, Louisiana Tech, and Jacksonville State. So now, uh, what's your number five, Stevie?
1: <laughs> now, now my list, my list is is some that I, I've liked watching over the years. Maybe not so much this year, but some teams. That I've like. I've, I've yeah.
0: And then that's kind of how it was with my tie there for fifth. Yeah.
1: So. so, you know, starting back at an early age, you know, when I was, as soon as I got old enough to know what a football was, I just started just like trying to learn everything about it. I mean, I knew you had, you know, my dad used to brag on me, this kid can tell you everything about the NFL, about college football. Uh, but one of the teams, I'm mean, about, and I'm not going to give away what my number one is, but I think anybody that knows me knows what my number one's going to be. Um, but one team that I, I gravitated to back in the day, just because they were so wide open, and they're still like that today. It, it, back then, it was the San Diego Chargers with Eric Coriel. Uh, you had Dan Fouts, a quarterback. You had, uh, geez, John Jefferson, Charlie Joyner, Kellen Winslow, and then James Brooks in the backfield with Chuck Muncie. It was a wide-open offense. They never had any defense, and that's still true to this day. But, uh, yeah, the, the San Diego Chargers slash Los Angeles Chargers now. Um, but, yeah, I, I love watching the Chargers play.
0: And there's a the score update. My my uh, my Jacksonville State um, Gamecocks are trailing, but don't count real trotting the boys out just Number four, um, you know, growing up in, in Eastern Carolina. You know, your, your regional sports team for baseball was the Baltimore Orioles. But, you know, I don't, I never knew that many people that were big Baltimore Orioles fans, mm-hmm. uh, unless you were just a big Coward and Jr. fan. Everybody watched the Braves. I hated the Braves, Stevie, and I'll tell you why. Because they used to interrupt my You're WCW. Championship S- Wrestling. Exactly, yes. <laughs> so I'd, I'd go to turn on WCW Saturday night, and a damn Braves game would be on. Braves, out the win. Yeah. <laughs> so my I, what, but, but who, so who I did become a fan of was uh, bored in the afternoons during the summertime, and I'd I'd be flipping the channels and I'd hear this voice that was the worst broadcasting voice you'd ever hear, Harry Harry folks, <laughs> and uh, so I became a Chicago Cubs fan because of Harry Carey, Ryan Sandberg, Mark Grace, uh, Andre Dawson. Uh, so my my number four is the uh, Chicago Cubs.
1: That was on the other Superstation back then, WGN. Correct. But yeah, TBS and WGN were, uh, were always the ones that you were watching for baseball. Okay, I'm going to stick with the Chicago, with my number four in Chicago. Uh, back in the day, what you know, everybody was watching, it's, unless you were a Pistons fan, uh, Chicago Bulls basketball. I mean, we uh-huh. had Jordan, Pippen uh Horace Grant uh, in the early days, you know, Bill Cartwright which you know, I never understood the trade for Cartwright, but I guess it worked. Um but yeah, I think you know the Bulls for what 10 years, 10 years straight and just uh and, and seeing them get finally get over the hump against the Pistons, yeah, I was always watching uh Chicago Bulls basketball
0: yeah i think we all watched the bulls back then um i would watch the bulls and the hornets but my number three ladies and gentlemen they're hot 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 um even though they beat us this year i got a lot of respect uh, for the boys in boone and it's my favorite part of the state i I love that area um uh, the high country um i one day i will live there um but uh yeah my number three and 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 no no power fans don't get to worry i'm not i'm not a closet app fan i just respect them and happen to love where they're located so my number three would be app state
1: okay i can see that that's all right so my number three was sticking with the nfl and i really had no choice in this matter but you know when uh this team was the rest of my family pulled for this team. I was like the black sheep of the family. Yeah,
0: just geographically.
1: Geographically, yeah, Being but in Virginia. Uh, yeah, Virginia. There you go again. There you go again. <laughs> uh, the the old Washington Redskins. Uh, I mean, I have so many great memories. My dad. Uh, so many Sundays I hear him stomp around the house. There was one in particular. I think it was the '87 season they were playing in divisional round against Chicago and Chicago at that soldier field, Chicago jumped all over him to 10, nothing early. And my dad was jumping around the house, just yelling, this ball game's over, this ball game's over. And then, uh, not long later, Daryl green takes a pump back for a touchdown, holding his rib that he had broke. Uh, and it's, they take the lead and my dad jumping up and down new ball game i knew they going out of this so you know but yeah watching the uh redskins back in the day that was always always enjoyable for me watching it with my dad and, and my mom my mom was a diehard redskins fan as well I actually took her One well, her bucket list was going to a redskin game so i got to take her to it and man you talking about somebody tearing up when she walked out on the field for the first time and saw all that green grass she's like I am kind
0: of like the dad and uh in nerdy
1: Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, she yeah. she came up that tunnel and looked out and she was like I never knew grass could be this green. I was like, "Oh, wow." So, uh, yeah, that got to me a little bit. But yeah, Redskins football, I'd say was my number 3.
0: Wow. That's awesome. That's a good story, David. Uh, my number 2 is uh, probably gonna piss off some pirate fans. <laughs> but don't worry. It ain't Carolina or state. Um, It ain't Duke either. Um, My number two is uh, one of our rivals, but uh, you got to respect them. They beat us this year. And um, I uh, love watching them play. I was cheering for them hard other week when they beat Virginia Tech. And um, so I I, I love watching the uh, Marshall Thundering Herd. That's
1: my number two. Okay. My number two, you mentioned earlier and yes, i am a cal Ripken junior fan i, I got in with orioles baseball uh in 1982 when he, he yeah when he came around and uh, i remember my my cousin and my uncle went to a game and they he came but my cousin came back just talking about he knocked one out of the park and blah blah and all this and i was just like you know i gravitated i think this was the last year earl weaver was there that i started really pulling for him and i always got a kick out of earl weaver how many times he would get kicked out in a year and the things he would say, you go back and look now on YouTube uh, and the things he would say to some of the umpires. Yeah. Uh, he would have got kicked out, but yeah, that 83. What are pretty good this year. Uh, they're number one seed in the AL. I mean, yeah. they're, they're, so, and then 40 years later after the last world series win. So, you know, ironic and they've got a rookie shortstop that's, that's kicking butt too. So, you know, Maybe all, right. all the stars, maybe all the stars will line up for for the Orioles this year. Well, I, I sure hope so. But yeah, are you
0: gonna you gonna, you gonna make the short drive to Camden Yards for a game?
1: No, no I just, right. This is look. When when do I have time, Kyle? When do I have time? This right. is football season. I'm I'm at the end of football season. True. True. Work. You know. I don't. I wish, but I, no. I will not be. That's on my bucket list though, Camden Yards. But yeah, Orioles baseball number two for me.
0: I've seen Camden Yards, but I've never gone to a game there. You rode by it? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, my number one. If, if right. you know me, this will not be a surprise. Uh, Stevie, you may not know this about me, though. Um, but a lot of people will know who my number one is. Uh, if, if East Carolina didn't have a football team, this would be my college football team. Uh, and it's our oldest rival, actually. Uh, but I love the school. Um, some of my best friends. I've made so many friends associated with the school. Um, in fact, Steve, you, you don't know this humor part of the podcast. Then we scooped the John Gilbert hire, um,
1: oh, yeah.
0: about two weeks before anybody else did.
1: I do. Um, remember that Happened when y'all did that.
0: You, you remember that? Yeah. Um, I was
1: following you guys back then.
0: Yeah. Cause I had so many ties at the school was Southern miss. And, uh, so I had my ties down there. Let me know that their AD was headed our way. And, um, So, anyway, uh, USCM, I love Southern Miss. Respect them as a football program. Very similar tradition to us.
1: Exactly.
0: I miss playing them. Um, Some of my best friends are Southern Miss people. So, uh, like I said, I got a lot of of love for the Golden Eagles. They're one and four, just like we are this year. Uh, Those parallels just always seem to run. Um, So, uh, only they can score points. They just can't stop anybody. (laughs) If <laughs> you, you, you combine the two football teams, you'd have one hell of a team. Imagine yeah. that being the other one. You remember, you imagine who would ever fall. Southern Miss could score, East Carolina can't. East Carolina can play defense, Southern Miss can't. Who would have thunk it?
1: Combine the two. See what yeah. happens. Exactly. We we actually, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, one of the years I coached, uh, we actually combined with a rival school for, for three years. Oh, wow. Um, 'Cause both of us didn't have enough to, to make a team or barely enough. So we combined and went at the, two out of three years we got state championships out of it.
0: So, nice. So you maybe all should have kept doing it.
1: Yeah, but you know, they went uh they went charter. Uh, okay. So we we weren't able to do that anymore. Um my number one, anybody that knows me knows who my number one team is. And the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. How did you guess? Uh, <laughs> Actually, you saw Keaton come off the uh, injured list, right? He's- I did, yeah. So, uh, hopefully he won't play this, this Sunday, though. That's the Steelers-Ravens game. But, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh Steelers, ever since I was, like I said, old enough to know what football was, I always gravitated him. I guess it was because of Terry Bradshaw, and but my favorite Steeler of all time is Jack Hamm. Uh And, you know, one of the greatest linebackers of all time that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot. It, because he played, you know, he played with Jack Lambert, but he could do it all. But yeah, I just, I don't know what it was. Me and my cousin, we're like two weeks apart in age, and uh, both of us went against the grain. We were the black sheep of the family. We we pulled for the Steelers, and the rest of them pulled for the Redskins. So you, we were out in the yard. Uh, you remember? I don't know if you remember you because I'm a little bit older than you. I think.
0: How old are you, Kyle? Uh forty. How old am I? Forty three. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'll be forty three. I'll okay, be forty three yeah. this month. I'll be forty three later What's your this birthday? month. Of uh, the thirteenth.
1: Okay, because mine's the sixteenth this month. So um,
0: I literally just had this conversation with Bubba. About they claim that the most the September has the most birthdays, and I call BS yeah. on that
1: October. because I know
0: more October birthdays than anything.
1: Hey, I had four when I was a kid. It was four of my family, you know, five.
0: Me, I five. know my mom, my nephew. and you know, I got friends. The the amount of October birthdays I know are, it's yeah. number two. September's number one. October's number two. March's number three. Don't ask me why I know this, but I really believe October's number one. In the South, I can confirm, October has to be number one. I don't know what
1: was going on. Let me see, what was nine months ago? On the, end hey, the end of December, year, January. January, New
0: Year's. So yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah, you know, we were always, like, we would always get stuff, Steelers stuff. We actually got a mini Steelers locker, and it had – the old Sears jerseys in there, where you ironed on the 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 number and your and your last name up there. Nice. I actually still have the helmet from back then. Uh it, It's it's got some wear. It's got some wear on it because it's about. uh Well, see, I'll be fifty this this month, so that's been so about forty something, over forty years of wear. Yeah, I
0: remember those. I remember my cousin getting the Cowboys version of that in the uh mid '80s. I guess it would have been.
1: Yeah, let me let me tell you though, we we decided to get out there. And, you, you How
0: old were you? See, so you're how old are you, Steve? You early fifty?
1: I get ready to turn fifty. Okay, all right. I'll be fifty in twelve days. So, okay. Uh, but yeah, we we decided to get out there. We didn't get the white jersey. They didn't offer you the white jersey. They just offered you the black. So summertime, we decided to get out there in the yard in all black. And let me tell you, that was my first experience with one. You don't want to wear black when it's blazing heat in the summertime, you don't (laughs) want to do that. So, but yeah, I, I, and I still think I, I think I still have that jersey around here somewhere too. I'll have to get it out, but yeah. Uh, Steelers are definitely number one for me. It always will be. I mean, everybody's like, oh, y'all suck this year. Yeah. But guess what? I, I stayed with them after Bradshaw left and we struggled all through the years with quarterbacks like, uh, Neil O'Donnell, Bubby Brister, Mark Malone. Let's see. Uh, Actually you remember Cliff Stout was actually a backup with and he started some for the Steelers. did Cliff Stout used to work for the ECU? Uh- yeah,
0: yes. He used to do t- television games on the Pirate Sports Television Network. Yeah. With Jeff Charles. And at some point I'd like to get Cliff on the I would the show. love
1: to get Cliff Stout up here.
0: Yeah, for two different reasons. I'm sure you'd like to talk Pittsburgh Steelers with him. I I'd I'd like to talk to him about his memories of calling games for East Carolina. Yeah um, but I always enjoyed Cliff. I thought him and Jeff did a. I thought, I, I thought they. Uh, I thought they did a great job together.
1: But yeah, Steve was my number
0: one. Where well, you go? There's our top five. The reason everybody tuned in, so everybody can tune out now. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's that's it. Um, no game this week, Stevie. So there will be no pirate playback. Um, right. I'm assuming. I'm assuming we will not have a pirate playback on uh, on Sunday yeah. night. Uh, so I, uh, you know, Tuesday, uh, we will have the pirate preview. Um, you you know Monday night you you got
1: uh next week,
0: yeah Monday night you got uh Jeff Jeff Connors with absolute empowerment. I'm not sure who his guest will be this coming up week, but you can go in our archive. This past Monday night, he talked to Holt Naylor. So if you hadn't had a chance to listen to that, go back and listen to it. And uh, you know we we uh, watching a lot of football, waiting for Thursday night, and then uh, hopefully uh, the Pirates can pull off the big upset as we have uh, an ACC team from Dallas, Texas, coming to Greenville. Yep,
1: newly and, um, crowned boy, ACC team. Do what? A newly crowned ACC Yeah, and
0: I'm going to tell you what. If that can't get you fired up, oh, I don't know yeah. how we're playing. To see SMU get in the ACC and now they're coming to Greenville, you know the commissioner of the ACC is probably going to be in town to welcome them in. You're probably going to have other you know, people from other in-state ACC schools here on a Thursday night because they're not going to be playing. So you know what we got to do on ESPN. We got to pull the upset, and we got to we got to beat the Mustangs when they come to Greenville next Thursday. Okay. And you want to you want to turn this season around, and you you want to turn frowns upside down. You want to turn this season around fast. Go beat SMU and Charlotte back
1: to back weeks. Exactly. First of all, if if you can't get fired up for you know this ACC stuff, then you know you ain't East Carolina. Yeah, something's wrong. And then, you know, with all these, like you said, all these uh, eyes on them, that would be, like you said, the ultimate, ultimate wake up call, right there, would be ECU upset the SMU.
0: Exactly, it'd be the way to turn the season around in a hurry. So we'll see what happens. But Stevie, yeah. unless you got something else, we'll uh, we'll close it out.
1: I ask you this: Did you get to see Colorado and USC last week?
0: I watched, um, a little bit of it. I, I saw, uh, you know, uh, USC, uh, blow the lead Colorado start coming back on them. Uh, so i watched some of it. Uh, didn't, didn't watch all of it. Um, but, uh, you know, um, I'm about Deion Sanders out. Oh, uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, I'm glad to see Lincoln and, uh, USC hold on to win the football game, but, uh, m- m- I, I, much respect to Colorado. I say I'm Deion Sanders out because I am because I'm sick of hearing about him. But, you know, that was a respectable performance by Colorado against uh, against a uh, a playoff contending USC team.
1: I got a question for you. And maybe you could, maybe it's just me, but I don't think it is. And I love Lincoln Riley. Love him. Why is it that it seems like everywhere everywhere he goes since he's took his coaching job, defense is suspect?
0: Well, Captain Bill would tell you it's because Lincoln Riley sucks. But uh, I um, I I think it's just the offense here. Huh? I I, maybe I think so. it's hard to have a good defense with that offense. You know, maybe somebody ought to give Rick Smith a call. Rick Rick managed to do it. I was going to uh, say that
1: tonight. Maybe Rick, I was going to tell him. Maybe you need to head down to USC and start working with his defense. Well,
0: you know what what Rick Smith did, if I remember, you know, and I wish he was still on. Uh, we we could ask him about it, but. Rick was very basic. It was a base four three defense,
3: right.
0: and he played really good zone coverage um, when um, when 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 he was here under Lincoln Riley. And you you your your mindset is complementary football. If you have a high scoring, fast paced football team, you want a football team that's aggressive on defense and blitzes and all. But Rick Smith's football teams, his defense has always forced a lot of turnovers by playing good in the back end, good zone coverage. Right. You know, they didn't force a lot of turnovers by exotic blitz packages. It was from uh, proper technique and tackling and playing really good in the back end in zone coverage. And um, so it was complimentary football in terms of forcing turnovers and, uh, you know, getting the ball back to the offense, but not very aggressive. And, you know, I don't know what, I, you know, I couldn't tell you what USC is really doing on defense. I hadn't watched them enough. I, um, are they very aggressive on defense? Is that what they're doing? Yeah, I didn't
1: get to see much of it because I was at work, but I just kept seeing the updates on my phone. So, yeah, I I, but they're they're out. I mean, even when he was out of Oklahoma, they weren't. They didn't no. seem like they were very aggressive on defense there, uh, and they and they had a had a habit of blowing leads too. But you know, I just just wanted just just something that crossed my mind after that game because yeah, i was like,
0: Mike Leach had the same problems for years. Yeah. really. And you it know, may you, know, you know you know you know when it finally ended? When he hired Ruffin
1: McNeil. Yeah. So you got to go figure. Maybe Ruffin needs to go to USC.
0: I anything to get him the hell out well, he's gonna stay in Raleigh until his dad passes. Um and if that's already happened and I don't know about it, I apologize. But I All know right. that's why he uh he he went back to Raleigh because of his dad's health. And uh so you know, I, I can respect I that. I totally
1: understand that.
0: Yep all right stevie well uh we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up and uh we will we will you know stay tuned like i said for all the other programs that i've already mentioned i'm not going to mention it again and uh, we will be back with you as far as i know the next time that we will be doing a show uh will be monday night for jeff connors for uh for the uh for absolute empowerment so for dave richmond producing Rick Smith is our guest. And for Stevie Fly, I'm Kyle Barber. You have been listening and watching the Sports Objective, just another sports podcast. Good night, everybody, and go Pirates. See you.